Well, first of all, I want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. Uh, tonight, my guest is Freddie. Uh, his last name, Freddie? Ephraim. Ephraim. All right. So Freddie is an East Coast guy like myself from Maryland. I was born and raised from Maryland. It sounds like you were born and stayed there. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of have been a couple places. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you pretty much ended up where you started, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, for now, for now, you're, you're never stagnant, never stagnant. Yeah, no, no, I'll, I'll go a little bit of my story, but yeah, for um, everyone that's watching, thank you so much for tuning in my YouTube channel, Whiskey Wednesday Weekly, and if you're listening on podcast, um, go ahead and uh, like, subscribe, and obviously follow, um, go from there. So my good friend, um, Freddie here, who I just met on Instagram, I believe he goes by the Whiskey Thief, is that correct? That's right, I just put it on my uh, name there, because I'm used to doing that. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So um, I reached out to him via Instagram just because I, you know, follow different people and I look for different things. And I saw that he was a, a host or something of a, a whiskey show yourself. Yeah, so I do something that's called Whiskey Business. And I'll be honest with you, I haven't done that many shows lately, though, because uh, I used to be like a little bit involved with the Bourbon Alliance. And then Bourbon Alliance just exploded, like literally <laughs> like almost not overnight, uh, but it just really took off. And we're doing one to two tastings a week with a distillery. And it's like, this is a hobby. It needs to stay a hobby. Right. If I'm doing three things a week, that's a job. That's right. not a hobby. Right. You know I know mean? how that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really just know how that goes. Bourbon Alliance. So. Now, what is Bourbon Alliance? Because I saw that it said co-creator and all that good stuff. And I just went to the hashtag uh, yeah, and it's just got posts. not the FNG there anymore. Uh, I'm actually, I, Candace is the, uh, the FNG there. Um, so Bourbon Alliance is just really a group of bourbon and whiskey enthusiasts. Okay. That it was started by Kevin, who uh, his his, um, his handles you got that pappy. So he's actual founder, and it was his idea. And ultimately speaking, it was just the same people with the same values, the same enthusiasm, and we just started talking a whole bunch. And again, I, I'm talking as the FNG ish. I mean, they were together months and months, about six months before I came into it. Um, and we basically just started talking whiskey and it started becoming a thing I think right before I got invited by Kevin to be a, a member of it and uh we started just tagging so it's really it can be anybody with you know you you do hashtag bourbon alliance it's that's really how you can communicate with us the best and we just like to share whiskey and then we ended up um really kind of getting involved with craft distilleries first okay and with the craft distilleries we started uh just working with them and they started sending samples and we started all reviewing it and then it turned into a uh what's a video log is that a vlog vlog like a, yeah like a blog yeah. that's a video I guess blog. yeah so when i started doing that and then we started doing these whiskey tastings and we started our youtube channel i mean literally like a month or two ago very very recent um we just launched a website about two weeks ago um and there's press releases on there there's a couple reviews on there um but more importantly if you miss a program like this you can find it on the website and the, right. the website's the alliance Okay. Um, and then now we're starting to work with bigger distill uh, distilleries, like the, the session on Monday night that was with uh, Angels Envy Rye. We've got Peerless coming up. Um, we just, we're starting to work with some pretty big distilleries now, but we don't want to lose focus on those craft ones that are really trying to break out of the market. And, and there's just so much tremendous whiskey out there. Mm. Um, and it's really just trying to highlight people out there saying, Hey, there's really good bottles that are $200, but there's a shitload of bottles that are great that are $30. Like yeah, that's a fantastic yeah. $40 bottle. Yeah, absolutely. Is, is that the same one I've got? Bottle. I've got the uh, small batch. I haven't had the small batch. Actually, oh, okay. sour sour mash is some of my favorite stuff. Oh, okay. In the world. Yeah. Oh, have you had the sour mash? 
No, I do have the uh, straight rye, uh, which no. is single barrel as well. But I have had the straight mash. I just don't have it in stock right now. I drank it, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. So now, actually, my top five favorite whiskeys is um, I don't pop it out all the time, but I've got a sour mash toasted barrel finish, which is just out of this world. Nice. From Victor's? Anything toasted barrel, sign me up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you like the toasted stuff. Um, well, that's cool to know. I mean, I'm glad. So what's your YouTube channel? And then obviously, you know, mine is, uh, mine's um, actually Ken Boone Whiskey. Mine actually doesn't go by Whiskey Wednesday Weekly. Um, just because once I started it, people started following me too much and I didn't want to change it. So it's just Ken Boone with hashtag whiskey. But my obviously show is Whiskey Wednesday Weekly. And what do you guys go on? So the actual name of the show is called What's Your Proof? Because okay. that's going over the distillery and what that, what that is. But uh, it's really, uh, their online channel is the Bourbon Alliance. And oh, okay. And the itself is the Alliance share. Oh, okay. Cool, cool. Now, is that a, I mean, uh, are you guys making money off that or is that just a thing? Uh, not right now. I don't want to say, oh, we'll never make money off it. You know, we, we're just right now, we're just a bunch of, we're just a bunch of passionate people. whiskey drinkers. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And we're, we're just into tasting whiskey and sharing our whiskey thoughts. So um, that being said, uh, we are releasing our first barrel pick here shortly. I can't say what it is just yet. Yeah. We're getting into barrel picks and stuff like that. But yeah, it may be monetized at some point, but it, that, that's not the that's goal. That's not the goal. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't know if it was there yet. So cool. And what's your Instagram? Just I think it's the underscore whis uh, whiskey underscore thief, correct? Yep. The whiskey thief. Yeah. The yeah. underscore whiskey underscore thief. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. And mine is actually Whiskey Wednesday Weekly on Instagram. So um, that being said, I do want to get a little bit of your story. My show is basically all about people's stories and journeys and we'll kind of keep it short, but you know, ahead of time, since we just now met, um, yeah. you know, just a couple of weeks ago online, I did discover that you obviously are a pilot and mm -hmm. currently a helicopter rescue pilot, correct? Rescue, yeah, I call it medevac. Medevac, okay, yeah. You're still flying for medical reasons, okay. That's it, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, though, um, you said you started out, you were, before that, you were more of an airplane pilot and an instructor, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. No, I used to fly for the airlines. I flew for the regionals for a little bit, so I flew uh, Embraer 170-190 um, for the regionals and did that for a little bit, and that was 2008. And okay. the only reason I switched so quickly uh, was 2008, the recession. And it hit, and then I went from one of the highest time pilots in the room to one of the lowest time pilots in the room overnight. <laughs> and that's why it's funny, I, you know, I talked to all these pilots in these regionals lately that are uh, getting furlough left and right. And they're like, man, this sucks, this sucks. I'm like, D I get it. Like, I lived it, lived it 12 years ago, like cut and paste 12 wow. years ago. Huh. And that's why I switched to helicopters. It's not that I didn't look back. Actually, I'm looking at potentially flying this jet coming up here soon, a little corporate jet. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to end up doing it or not. It just landed here in the area up at Martin State. Um, but I might pick that up part-time just because I miss flying the airplanes. I, I love airplanes and it's been a while since I've really kind of gotten into the, uh, behind the yoke instead of the cyclic. And, uh, so that might, that might come. I just love flying, man. It's, it's yeah. the best job. Well, it's funny as, uh, two, two episodes ago, even though I've had a couple weeks between the two episodes, um, we had a, a Marine pilot, uh, Ryan Stellhorn, who came from, uh, the Midwest a little bit when he was born and raised, yeah. but then he ended up being a Marine pilot. And he yeah, did a similar awesome. thing. He went to the academy for four years, was a Navy yeah. guy, decided to be a pilot. Then he became a helicopter pilot after all the flight stuff. So uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. You guys have a good story. Now, my other question is, you are saying you're born, um, not born. I mean, I guess you were, but you did Springfield, Maryland or Spring? Uh, no, it's Silver Spring, Maryland. Silver Spring, Maryland. Okay. Yeah, you're thinking Virginia, but it's Silver Spring, Maryland. Yeah. Got it. And I'm from the Eastern Shore. Um, more on the um, Easton, Maryland side. I say, was it Easton? 
Eastern, yeah. What's the name? Were you actually from Eastern or is it one of little town? I knew the Eastern Shore very well. No, Eastern Maryland. Yeah, right. If you just drive maybe 45 minutes uh, in from Kent Island. So, yeah, because um, yeah, a lot of people would be like, Eastern, I'm like, yeah, but where are you really from? Are you from like Nanticoke? Are you from like Kent Narrows? Are you from, you know what I mean? Like Dorchester? Yeah, Oxford like or St. Michael's. Yeah, no, I'm truly, I was born right there yeah. in Maryland. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the big city on the Eastern Shore. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> it was so tiny, man. Yeah, when I first tiny, man. They're on the up and up. Yeah, I'm 49, so you know, I I, uh, I was a little kid back then. But uh, yeah, it's it's cool to hear that you guys. When I reached out, I'm like, "Where are you from?" You're like, "Maryland." I'm like, "Holy crap!" Yeah. And then you got your. I saw a video with like your Maryland tree with the flag yeah. in the background. That was badass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, but as you said that, it's funny because you don't really meet very many people from Maryland outside of Maryland. Correct. That's what I'm saying. Like, unless you're in it, you don't go and like, oh, this guy from San Diego reached out and he's he lived in Maryland for 19 years before he went in the military. That's that's yeah. my story. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so that being said, you had said that you wanted to be a pilot since you were a kid. Like, what did that yeah. mean? How did you know that? No, literally, that's it. It's just kind of like, you know, some people are born knowing what they wanted to do. And that was me. I've always wanted to be a pilot. I've always been fascinated with aviation. I've always been fascinated with airplanes. I've always been fascinated with helicopters. I've just always had a fascination from literally the earliest memory ever. Huh. You know, it wasn't something I was like, you know, met someone someday and was like, oh, that would be cool or like fell back into it. It's like, it's what I've always wanted to do. I knew, just, I knew as I a five-year-old kid, you had the whole stars and you're like, I just want to fly. That's like, it, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I was that Poindexter nerd with the stars on his ceiling. <laughs> That's funny because the other guy said yeah. the same thing. He's like, I was obsessed with aviation as a child. I'm like, wow, you don't really, you know, I guess you kind of have to be that. Now, did you go to college for that? Like, what do you do to be a, become a pilot? Like, he went to the military. What do you do? Yeah, there's two avenues to it. You can do a civilian or you can do a military. That's literally about it. Um, so if you go military, which is certainly the cheaper route, um, you <laughs> can do that. or if you went my route, uh, you basically can do self-pay. So you just enroll inside of flight school. I did all mine up at Frederick, Maryland. I uh, did both airplane and a helicopter. I started when I was 17 in high school flying airplanes. And then 18, I kind of dabbled in the helicopter a little bit, got my private then. Uh, and then really ultimately just per pursued the fixed wing route. Um, went up the fixed wing route. And then uh, 2008, like I told you, airlines start furloughing left to right. And right before then, like people were begging you, just like they were back in January. They were begging you for, uh, for to, to come and fly. Um, and then ultimately, uh, when I got furlough the twice in six months, uh, I just was, couldn't get a job. I literally couldn't get a job as an airplane pilot. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was sitting there trying to figure it out. And, you know, the way I did it was a flight instructor. Um, and then at that point, you know, I tried to go back to flight instruction while I was in college because I went to college for political science. Just, I just needed to have a degree. You need oh, to okay. check the box. Yeah, I just need to check the box. So I picked, you know, Hood College up in Frederick, Maryland, just because the airport was like a mile and a half away. Oh, you know okay. what I, mean? I, didn't, I didn't really give it. I like politics, but like at yeah, the you end said of the day, something to fall back on. Yeah, something to fall back on. I could always go work for FA or something like that, but I lost my medical. But ultimately speaking, it was like I just want to fly, so I did that, and then I just couldn't find a job, man. And uh, you know, I went and took a desk job for 26 months. I feel like I should have like that spider tattooed because it felt like prison to me. <laughs> right. and I did that, and I still taught part time, but I, I went back to flight school to go be a helicopter pilot. And okay. it is like, starting from day one. Oh, yeah, I mean, even though I had my private, it's like, you have to go to school all over again. It was another year of school. Oh, and then doing a civilian, you have to do it like one-on-one -on -one with an instructor. You enroll in like a little mom and pop flight school type thing. And then you just kind of blow through your ratings as, as slower, as fast as you want to. And then you become an instructor because that's how it is. The only way to become a pilot. 99% oh. of the ways become a flight instructor. People hmm. think flight instructors are, after. you know, 
older and the, you know, the, the, it's actually the opposite. It's the people trying to build hours. Oh. And I'll tell you, like, flight instructors can run circles around me. It literally runs circles around me as far as like book knowledge. Yeah, I might be able to like have more experience in the aircraft and, and, and weather and judgment and stuff like that, but huh. book smarts will blow me out of the water. Wow. So it, it's one of those things where it's, that's the best way to do it. So I had to do that uh, and then went through, you know, became a helicopter instructor again. And I actually ended up teaching for the military. I wasn't in the military, but as a government contractor down at Fort Rucker um, to talk the military guys down there. I uh, did that for about a year, year and a half, and then got hired as medevac. And I haven't really done anything else since, man. I just fly medevac and um, fly tours a little bit here and there for like a few years ago, but other than just on the side for fun. But And then I, I really just do medevac now, man, and just flying and having a ball, dude. Well, let me ask you that then. So in case someone's listening, you know, that's in the youth or, you know, maybe someone that uh, is curious when they're younger, what they're going to do. Um, just a little bit of feed. I don't know what's going on. Not feed, but like. You scratch. can even be older if you want to. I have so many students of mine that were in the like 30s, 40s. Oh, 50s, okay. So what it, I guess my thought process is, what does it take for someone? It sounds like just hours and time but you're a medevac guy. Do you actually go and pick that field or you're like, once you become a pilot, you just apply for different jobs. Is that right? It's whatever you want to do. I mean, okay. you have to instruct in the beginning, which flight instruction is great for the first like three months. But then after that, you want to pistol whip yourself. <laughs> it's really risky, really risky. It's oh, because you're flying with students, right? Yeah, you, you train someone flying aircraft and it's, it's a very risky environment. Uh, things can go wrong very, very quickly. People are basically trying to kill you all day. Right. You know, your job to try and prevent them from crashing aircraft. That's what you do all day. It's so, like a, a car student driver guy on the other side, right? Except you're in the yeah. air with a million dollar machinery. <laughs> yeah, you're sitting there and you both have controls and stuff like that. But ultimately, they're, they're trying to take your life the whole time and you're trying to keep them alive the whole time. <laughs> right. um, it gets easier as they get further along with the ratings. And I make it sound a lot more dicey than it is. It's really not that bad. But yeah, yeah. After you get some experience, it's really not that bad. It can yeah. be very safe if you have the systems and processes, but it takes time to, to be able to develop that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, man, you know what I mean? And just, just, just going through that stuff and then you, you build your time and then, you know, your, your first hurdle is getting an instructor job. And then after that, your next hurdle is getting your first turbine jet engine job. You know what I mean? Whether it's air helicopter or airplane, I mean, oh. turbine is a turbine. Uh, it's trying to get that because insurance is very hard. So you can either go to like in the helicopter side, Gulf of Mexico, you can go to do tours is a very common way to do it. Um, that's about it. And then once you, once you do that for about 500 hours of flight time, which sounds like it'd take no time at all. It's about a year or two. Oh, yeah. Um, then you can get a big boy job. And that's really on the helicopter side. It's either corporate or medevac, gotcha. or you can do some, some other things like that. Gotcha. But at the end of the day, the, um, Hey, stop. Cat scratching the back. <laughs> so anyway, but at the end of the day, the, uh, um, that's, that's really the, there, there's, there's multiple different avenues you can do. Gotcha. You do, Gulf of Mexico, you can make a bunch of money, do, you know, flying down there, corporate, medevac. Uh, but nobody really wants to teach for their life, uh, yeah. to be honest. And yeah. On the airplane side, same deal. You can go airline, you can go corporate, you can do cargo eventually. But you have to build time in a subset in order to get to that next level. Nice, nice. Well, on that, that. well on that note, let's break into High West if you got it standing by. Let's do it. Let's do it. I actually, you know, it's funny. I hadn't touched this Michter's in a while. And this is my first time revisiting this bottle. Oh yeah, no task. I mean, this off the bottle. It's fantastic. It's really good. Oh, you're just like <laughs> you're like I forgot how good it was. 
Yeah, no, I do. And that's the, well, you know, it's funny, especially like I'm, I'm very, very lucky with like the bourbon lines that I get to taste so I get one or two new whiskeys a week. Oh, right. You know I mean? Craft distilleries and like it really refines your palate and does this stuff. And it's funny because certain things that I used to adore, I'll come back and visit and be like, huh, that's not as good as I remember it. Correct. Like, yeah, like this Mictors one, I'm like, man, that was that was good, but I didn't think it was that great. And I just try, I'm like, holy shit, that's good. Yeah, it's just, no, it's like that, you know? It's extremely interesting that you say that because, so when I run, I have like 32 bottles and it's just all personal. I don't get, the, you know, right. I don't get cool stuff like you. It sounds like uh, you get free you bottles. You just gotta buy whiskey, man. I've got all my prizes right here. All my prizes next to me on the floor. That's a nice box. I did see that online. Um, but yeah, no, so it's like, for me, like you make a list and then I made like, I just went out and spent like five, 600 bucks on a bunch of bottles that I was out of. And then like, when you go and taste it again, you're like, that one wasn't as good as the one you tried. So, you, so you're like, maybe we should like 1792. I love 1792. But then when I went and had a couple cents, I hadn't had it for like a month and a half. I had it again. I'm like, that's a whole different flavor after you've went through four or five other bottles or different ones. It's yeah. And especially as it opens up and breathes. Yeah. It's yeah. Entirely different. Versus form. new. Yeah. Yeah. It's even oh. this one right here. Like I poured uh, Midnight Winter Dram Act 8. This is the one for this year. Okay. Now I loved Act 7 last year and this one blows out of the water. Really? Water. I mean, it's just like on the nose, it's just straight like <laughs> honey and. Now, how about your, uh, I, I, on the pilot show, the other gentleman, he had that Taylor, the like Colonel Taylor or something that I saw you post. Oh, Taylor, there's like a dozen of them, maybe more. And it's with your wife, the one that you have with your wife in like a marriage. Oh, the 18-year marriage. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, the 18-year marriage, yep. Yeah, I, that one we're saving for 18. Oh, okay, okay. I just saw that bottle of Taylor. Ago. And I tried that and I was like, wow, that's pretty tight. That was 16 years ago. Where did you get to try that at? That, that gentleman, um, the helicopter pilot, got it as a really? gift really? when he graduated the academy. Some cat out of the East Coast sent it to him or something like that. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. I was pretty excited. Extremely so. rare. Yeah, he was like, I, he didn't know much about whiskey, but he was like, someone gave this to me as a gift, and it was the first time we opened it, so I'll have to let him know he's in, he's in good shape. <laughs> That's great. I've heard, I've heard that bottle fetching over 2K on secondary. Oh, geez. I don't know if he's, okay. uh, he's aware of that. Mine. Yeah. So, um, so I, you're, you're saying you're married. Does, you don't have kids yet? No, I do. I've got three kids. Oh, okay. Yeah, you threw the cat thing in there. I have three kids, too. Mine are all graduated and in college and all that at this point you're i old enough to have kids in college you know what i get that a lot but i do my kids are 18 my twin boys and then my daughter is 23 yeah I did, that's crazy man yeah i've got i've got a 10 year old a seven year old then i've got a four month old oh wow man that's you really <laughs> rock that's a big gap <laughs> i know exactly yeah, I, got, I got two boys and a girl the boys are twins and the daughter's uh, the older one but uh, that's pretty cool um, now I have weirdly enough. How many cats do you have? Just the one, just Miles Davis. Miles Davis, good name. Yeah, I've got six cats. So um, it's a sad story. I mean, we're not even a cat family. It just happened that when you love one cat, they become the greatest pets ever, and then the dogs are like secondary to us because <laughs> the best one I've ever had. He's the last one I'll ever have because we. I grew up in a house at one point that had ten cats. Oh, 
I hate litter boxes, man. Mine's That's the, the problem. problem. Yeah. <laughs> I will say the litter boxes, we have a separate room for them actually yeah, in our house. Know. Like they have their own quarters and it's like the laundry room. So it's like you can do whatever you want out there. <laughs> we live in a real home in the city. So uh, we don't have oh, enough room for that stuff. So yeah, the guest rooms. Yeah. Yeah, I got three acres out here in California, so it's it's uh, uh, about 70, 70 orange trees and lots of room. Yeah, so it's all kind of excluded out here. I live up in the mountains, and so it's not. Your oh, that sounds amazing. Where at? Uh, it's called Valley Center. I don't know Valley Center. No, it's it's literally the, the last rural community, kind of outskirts where every plot of land has to have two acres or more. Um, oh, what's yeah. the closest? Like, what's the closest major city to there? Uh, Escondido, Oceanside, Vista, San Marcos, any of those sound familiar? Yeah, my, I got a lot of family in Oceanside. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, Oceanside's the beach. You, you take yep. that straight 78 from yep. Valley Center, you just stay, we come down the mountain, go straight to Oceanside. Yeah, it's man. about a, yeah. Thank you for saying just take straight 78. Yeah. My wife is from Vegas and everybody from the West Coast says get on the 78 or get on the 10 or get okay. on the, I'm like, I don't say get on the, like, just say get on the road. <laughs> I don't hop on the 95. I hop on 95. Okay. Right. <laughs> the Boyle Street. I just hop on a Boyle Street. You know what I mean? I don't go on to the New Hampshire Avenue. I just get on New Hampshire Avenue. Right. Yeah. You're, you're just not like, sure why we say that, huh? <laughs> I'm like, I'm, like, I'm going to hop on the 10. I'm like, no, you're going to hop on 10. You're gonna, you know what I mean? I'm not hopping on the a mid Winter's Night Dram. I'm hopping on a mid Winter's Night Dram. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's probably because I've lived here longer now that, you know, 30 years oh, here versus... Like, That's what I said. I was commending you for not saying it. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And my wife... I'm 70. I'm like, ah, oh, yes, the West Coast doesn't say that shit. <laughs> yeah, well, I still have that Eastern shore. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. My mother actually just moved out here, and she's literally 71, just moved out here for the first time because of her health, and she's, you know, lived here two years, 18 months, something like that, and she's still in a little... She says wooder and and wash clothes like you know Maryland. oh yeah yeah, yeah. she's she's yeah, deep south definitely like that. <laughs> yeah that's so, like that's like calvert county man <laughs> that's classic so tell me a little bit about your uh, yeah so tell me a little bit about your um i guess the reason i i loved your ex, ex um your reasoning on your question that i sent back about what what made you get into whiskey and you said it's because it helped me deal with stupid people now I will just give you a quick note before I want to hear yours is I'm extremely probably the same way. Like I have a pretty good set patience at 49. I was terrible in my thirties and stuff like that, but I still do not tolerate dumbness and stupidity. So I, I struggle with that. Like just ignorance, like people that don't do certain things that are just so obvious. Right. So go ahead and yeah. tell me what your thoughts on that since you're the actual guest. It's just, uh oh, you it's froze. Just, it's just the world in general, man. It's just the world in general. Like, you just have so many people. Uh, am I there now? Yeah, you're good. Yeah. Uh -huh. There we go. Yeah, it's just, just, just people, man. And I was, I was being facetious when I said that. But, like, you know what I mean? Ultimately, I got into whiskey realistically because I shift changed with a pilot that was huge into whiskey. Oh. He started to me about it. And then there was uh, another guy, Casey, that, you know, he's just like, he, he had me and my wife over. And we did like a whiskey taste. I'm like, oh, wow, there's like more to this than it just being brown water. Mm -hmm. So I was being a little bit facetious when I said that. In all sincerity, though, like people drive me nuts. They drive yeah. me absolutely bonkers. And maybe it's a pilot in me that goes from zero to a thousand, you know what I mean? And we're used to getting everywhere, but it's just, you just look around you, man. And you just like, the thing that it always worries me, it's like, you always see, you ever go to Disney World or in your case, Disneyland, I guess would be the more accessible one. Sure. And you just, 
people and they just they're walking and they walk like this and they're not looking where they're going right now and then you see people that are driving and like i'll i'll, I'll throw out a text every now and then when i'm driving i'm not, I'm not a hypocrite you know what right. i mean when i'm texting driving i'm like this right instead of like this <laughs> you know I mean? and it's just like and people are just I'm sorry if this is family friendly, but they're never fucking aware of what's going on around them. There's yeah. just like, such little consideration and there's such just like blatant, like just ignorance yeah. you know I mean? the world around them and the people around them and stuff like that. You know what I mean? I'm like, and I, you know, I'm very, very well traveled. I've been to a tremendous amount of countries and there's a difference between a cultural difference and just being stupid. Right. It's and lazy. Huge different. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, like there are certain things you don't want me doing. Now say I'm stupid <laughs> shit at this. It's not right. a cat. Then you're like, I'm incompetent with some things, but just common sense I have down. Correct. I down. I don't sit there and cross the street like this. I don't hop on a piece of gym equipment and then just pop on my phone when I realize there's people around me trying to get shit done. Right. There's such a lack of awareness of the human beings around you. That's the <laughs> Yeah, I love people. I love people, you know, yeah. or I forget which famous person said it. People one-on-one -on -one are fantastic, but people in large groups are horrible. Right. Yeah. That's a great question. I mean, that's a great thing. And, I, and, and you, you can even take it back prior to the cell phone. I mean, let's be honest, every generation has yeah. its issues, right? Like, you know, just like you said, I've always told my kids, um, and that's one thing I've taught all three of them, is that street smarts and common sense goes a lot further than book smarts. And I don't mean in your careers and all that stuff. I'm just talking okay. about communication, being, you know, out there and, and being aware, like you said, looking at people in the eyes, you know, taking a second to really understand where you're at. Yeah. You should yeah. this world, man. You know what I yeah. mean? It's yeah. just like, just be aware of, you know I mean? That's why like, I love going to Disney. We've been, I've been to Disney World once in the last year. Yeah. You just go there and it's like exhibit A. I'm just, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just crazy. And just, with most <laughs> people, you know what I mean? But it's just like, just look at people driving. It's funny, like, I'll point things out to my wife sometime when you see people online. I'm like, that's why I have to share the road with. Yeah. That's why, this is why there's traffic. This right. is exactly why there's traffic. Why did, why did you just do what you just did? Right. You know I mean? Like, you pull out into a lane and then you freak out and you're deer in the headlight. And I'm like, either just commit and go or right. just wait. And you know what I mean? I'm like, this is why there's traffic because you pull <laughs> You right. know? And what's funny is you're probably used to not having to share. I mean, you know, I know you drive on a regular basis, but at the same time, when you're in the sky, it's pretty much just you and maybe, you know, within our surroundings, you don't have a ton of people out there, you know? It, quite frankly, it exacerbates it because like you're dealing with so many professionals. Like ATC, 99.9% .9 of the time are amazing. You're dealing with like my medical crews are like the, like the most amazing trained people in their field. Like they're right. at the top of their field. So you're around all these very efficient, very intelligent, like grade A quality human beings. And then you leave there and it's just, you're just surrounded by, I'm not a citizen. I'm not a citizen. I love people. People are no, amazing. You're not, don't, 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 it's, you don't have to bite your tongue, worry about that stuff. No, yeah. I, I, hopefully no one's taking it that way because I'm sure that people watching or will be watching know what you're talking about. And even the people that are like, like us, me and you, we have those yeah. minutes where we're doing it. It's just saying like, as a society, we could probably just kind of be a little more aware and and surround ourselves together. A lot more aware. Yeah. I have a lot more. <laughs> well, the majority be selfish as long as they know what's going on around them. Right, right. Yeah, I don't care if they care about me. Just like as as a whole, like they don't have to focus on me like I'm something important. Just make sure as a group. Did you finish the uh, the high west yet? I just finished. Oh, okay. West.
Yes, I did. Um, yeah. Well, there yep, was... and I just poured. I haven't tasted it yet, but I just poured the toasted barrel. Oh, Elijah oh, Craig okay. toasted barrel finish. Man, you're big on the toasted. Have no, I've never had toasted. This is a small batch. I'm like a small oh. batch. <laughs> and it will change your life. I, I will. I'm not a smoke guy. Is that the difference? Thing? I hate smoke. I oh, hate okay. smoke. Okay. Totally different. Okay. Well, I, I, I can't stand scotch. I can't. Okay. Oh. I hate oh. any of that shit. Like the fact that somebody would blow fucking $60,000 on a bottle of scotch blows my mind. Isn't it mean? unreal? I mean, I go to Costco and I'm looking at these scotches and my, my, the guy I had last, the last episode, yeah. uh, he's, he's a sports agent and sure. he's a huge scotch guy. And so I'm like, okay, yeah. he's, he's got the Glenfinich and, and all the, you know, the, the, the high end stuff, you know, and I'm sitting there like, I'll drink it. You know, like I brought two with me just to kind of help his out and me. And then I had him try some bourbons and I'm sure. like, I just am not a huge fan of that Pete and the whole, hate it. I mean, I hate it. I hate oh. it. I hate it. Some people love it. Like Danielle from the bourbon Alliance. Yeah. Uh, she's a black whiskey neat. Loves Pete. Loves okay. Pete. Like it's right up her alley. Like wow. if I taste it and it's got that small, Oh, Danielle's going to love this. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> now what about the Japanese stuff? Are you a fan of that? You know, it's funny. I've actually never had a Japanese whiskey. I was oh, just okay. thinking about that the other day. I've, yeah. never had, I've got a Hakuchu 12 sitting right here next to me. Uh -huh. I've got a Habib 21 sitting upstairs in the collection. Oh, and you just haven't had it. Oh, okay. What about uh, uh, Irish? I hate it. But, oh, okay. but, 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 there are a couple Irish whiskeys I've had lately that have changed my mind. Oh, okay. Which uh, ones? Powers. Okay. Powers just sent me a couple bottles. It was fantastic. Uh, and there was another one. Oh, they're gonna, they're gonna kill me. Can you give me literally like 10 seconds? <laughs> yeah, 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 I know you don't wanna screw that up. <laughs> no, 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 I just don't remember the name of it. That's what I mean, you're like, you don't wanna like, be like, oh, sorry, you, know, you just have to remember. But um, like I, for a good value price, I'm kind of a fan of the, um, even though it's kind of an everyday, it would be the um, proper 12. It's actually not a bad scotch. I mean, uh, yeah. Irish whiskey. I can't do it, so in case in point, I had a scotch recently that I actually enjoyed. I can't remember the name of it. And the dude's like, you're going to love it. It doesn't drink like a scotch. It, doesn't, it, it tastes nothing. I say, it tastes more like bourbon. It tastes more like whiskey. And I tried it and I was like, you're not wrong. Right. But I don't want to have to drink something and be like, by the way, it doesn't taste like what it's supposed to taste like. Right. It tastes like something else. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Well, then what's the point of drinking Irish exactly. whiskey if you're just, it tastes like bourbon, right? What's the sense, right? You might as well just yeah. drink bourbon. Well, I'm glad you're a bourbon fan because, I mean, that's literally like 92% of my is I just have a couple other bottles because I've tried them on shows, you know. Um, yeah, bourbon and rye. I love rye. I absolutely love rye. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's what a Midnight Winter's Dram is. That's a blend of straight rye whiskey. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. It, it's, oh, my God. If you if you haven't tried a rye, I would uh, really encourage you to try Sagamore Spirit is a really good one. If you want to try their Double Oak is a fantastic rye. Their cognac finish uh, is out of this world. I've been trying to get that one. I mean, I've seen it in three or four different places and I haven't pulled the trigger yet. And then Peerless as well. I haven't tried that one yet. Got to. Uh, I haven't actually had Peerless, but uh, Sagamore, I, I would I would really, I wouldn't recommend the lower proof unless you're mixing it. And I only say that because I'm a bit of a rye snob. Um, right. It's not bad mm -hmm. at all, but Double Oak just blows it out of the water for a few extra more bucks. Yeah. All. I'm yeah. not a big, like I'm a bigger, higher proof guy if I'm going to sip it because I don't usually, the only whiskey I'll mix is usually Jack. Like if I'm yeah. going to mix it, it's just going to be Jack because not the oh. Jack's bad. It's just, it's easy for mixing and it's inexpensive. Yeah, yeah for sure. But all the yeah. rest that I do, I'm usually over a cube, you know, I'm not going to sit there. So I, if I'm going to do that, I'd rather get a, a little bit of a buzz when it's, you know, 
98 to 112. <laughs> so. yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. I mean, I've been pushing like the 130s lately with some of the stuff I've had. It's wow. been getting Have you had Boone's yet? What's that? Have you had Boone's bourbon yet? No, I haven't. You're like the second person to mention that to me in like two days. Well, every, one of the reasons is he, you know, he's, he moved to LA. He's actually, uh, we had the last name. So he agreed to go on the show too. Um, sure. he, he created this bourbon, obviously. And he also is yeah. a musician with music. So I just, yeah. tr I tried it because of the last name. It was on the Flevier, which is like that, you know, subscription thing. It was the right. one bottle I ordered and I was like, oh, it's like 120, dude. It's insane. It's pretty yeah. hot. Yeah, so yeah, that is pretty yeah. That'll get you. That'll get you pretty good real quick. <laughs> I love my. I think my new favorite super that's in that one twelve one thirteen mark is a smoke a smoke wagon, uncut unfiltered. That is some of the best goddamn whiskey I've ever had. Huh? Smoke wagon. Jeez. Smoke wagon uncut unfiltered is some of the best whiskey I've ever had in my life. I'm gonna make it a is note of that. So good. Now yeah, I, smoke I, wagon uncut unfiltered. It's not crazy. But yeah, smoke wagon uncut unfiltered. I'll give I'll give you my top five right now, but that's up there. Uh, Old Forster nineteen twenty. Oh my god, is that good? Well, oh my god, is that what you got right there? Uh, no, it's just it's Old Forster single barrel. But I have another Old Forster, which is also very good. Very yeah, good. I'm a huge fan of Old Forster. I mean, that's a good whiskey. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, Old Forster. They yeah they they pump out some really good stuff. Um, but yeah, Old Forster nineteen twenty smoke wagon uncut unfiltered. Uh, a midnight midwinter night's dram is fantastic. Mictor's toasted barrel, really anything. Um, and and uh, my favorite whiskey I've ever had, I know it's a unicorn, uh, is William LaRue Weller. That is best, the best whiskey I've ever had in my entire life. Is that expensive? Uh, extremely. And that's well, why you say it's the unicorn. <laughs> SRP on it's probably a hundred bucks, maybe 200 bucks tops. Okay. Um, I don't know what exactly what I pay. I think I pay a hundred bucks for it or 150. It's oh, okay. Year, but that sells on secondary for like 800 to a grand or even wow. more it's crazy and so you like wellers uh, it depends on the weller uh so like obviously everybody's obsessed with the weller line by buffalo trace the weller 107 is out of this world oh, okay. out of the score pick huh? right on oh, okay. uh the foolproof that everybody's obsessed with i don't like it it's not bad but i don't think it's i'm not even remotely worth the hype it's trendy yeah very trendy um I think actually that's the only two wellers I've had. Uh, oh, okay. The weller though, that that is out of this world, absolutely yeah. out of best whiskey I've ever had in my well, entire life. Before we wrap up, um, just because I know you've got to wrap yeah, up, no worries. I do want to talk a little bit about because I think it's interesting. What? Give me a couple scenarios, and I don't want to get into people's lives and stuff. But as a medevac pilot, like, what are some of the stuff that you see do? Have you ever had close calls? Not so much as flying, but you know, what's the extreme that you have to deal with as a pilot versus a medic, or are you a trained medic as well? No, I know nothing about medicine. I would okay. literally, if I saw somebody's arm cut off, I would put Old Bay on it and wrap it with a Band-Aid. That was about <laughs> Old Bay. There you go, baby. Old Bay and a Band-Aid on Plug it. Plug in the Old Bay. There you go. All right. <laughs> so, so what do you see stuff, and do you have a queasy eye and all that, or? No, I'm, I'm the most squeamish medevac pilot you'll ever meet. I don't want to know what goes on in the back. I don't want to know what goes on in the back. I, I, I've seen a lot of things. I've seen, okay. a, lot of, seen a lot of death. Yeah. I've seen, and I think that's part of the reason, too, I appreciate things so much, because you do see people die at all ages. I mean, we see kids die. We see babies die. We see adults die. 
you see a lot of death. Um, and people don't realize how little life is guaranteed. Right. You know, everybody has this preconceived notion that, all right, you have a baby, and the baby becomes a teenager, and then a teenager becomes a young adult, and then they become an adult, and then they become an old person, and they die. It is so far from where life can actually be. And I see so many people on a daily basis that are sitting here on a program like this, having a glass of whiskey, and an hour later, I'm on the floor, and then two hours later, I'm having a stroke. And I'm talking people in their 30s. You don't have to be 60s and 70s to have a stroke. Right. You can be in your 20s and having a stroke. And your life has changed forever. You can be vegetable. You can right. be vegetable like that. And you have no idea, I had to say it, how frequently that happens every day. Yeah. Every single day. People are living lives and they have this expectation of growing old. And we all have that expectation. I say for retirement most smart people do. I mean, I plan on doing that, but what people take for granted is that it is not guaranteed. And it can change and in an instant. Yeah. How quick it can change. And that's the other thing, as shitty as COVID has been this whole time, one of the most insightful things that I, I, I think I've seen come out of this is that people took travel for granted. Mm-hmm. And people used to think I was batshit. Um, I've been in 55 countries, you know what I mean? And my wife and I have traveled a lot together and people are like, you know, I would literally be sitting there on a, on a Saturday night and I would pull up Google Flights on my phone, and we always travel so so cheaply. I mean, yeah. we're coach. I mean, I, I've been to China for four hundred some bucks round trip. I mean, we've been to all over the world for. I mean, Iceland two hundred bucks round trip. Um, I've been all over the place, and people are like, "Oh man, you must have all this money. You're blowing through." Like, no, you can do it really cheaply. You stay in Airbnbs, right. you stay in houses. You, you sit there, and you can sit on a plane to Australia for you know, 30 hours you're back like this and coach and your neck's hurt when you get off. It's just a day. It's one day. You sit there, you get, you get drunk, you watch a movie, you pass out, you wake up, you're coming over. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? And you can do that. But the thing is, is now people are like, oh, I'll go to Spain and they put it off and they put it off and they put it off. And now you can't go to Spain. And right. now you can't go to Iceland. And now you can't go to Australia. Now you can't go to Japan. Now you can't go to China or South Korea right. or, or Hawaii. Wherever. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. I, I'm hoping that yeah, you can go anywhere. And I'm hoping that people out of this will realize that traveling is, is so, we're so lucky. We're one of the first generations, realistically, um, that can go anywhere for any time for cheap. Mm-hmm. And there's very few things in this world that are getting cheaper as time goes on. And the only things I can think of are computers and travel, right. airfare. Right. You know what I mean? Like everything else keeps getting more expensive. Housing gets more expensive. Bourbon's getting more expensive. <laughs> um, but really, that's it. But and to answer your question, to kind of come back to that whole thing, and that's why I, I got off my, all my soapbox. Oh, that's there. fine, yeah. Um, is with the uh, close calls thing. It's not, it's not so much we have close calls. It's just dealing with weather and the pressures of weather. Mm. People don't understand how quickly weather changes. You know what I mean? I, I was sitting there the other night. I can't tell you where, what we're doing or anything like that because of HIPAA stuff. But I'm sitting there and I'm watching the fog and I'm like, I know it's coming in. I know it's going to come soon. They're downstairs doing what they need to be doing. And I'm sitting there and I'm worried about the fog, worried about the fog, worried about the fog. And I'm sitting there and they're taking a lot longer than they're supposed to. And I'm sitting here and I finally have to call them like, hey guys, I got to go soon if we're not going to be. And it's just that's where the pressure comes in is weather because weather is weather and uh and and wires are the two number one killers of helicopter pilots wow you know, and obviously the company i fly for uh I'll, I'll leave it off the record here now but they're incredibly incredibly i mean they're the best i'm so lucky to work for them right you know i mean they have the best equipment they have the best aircraft we're all twin engine we're all ifr we're all trained to go in the clouds but still, you have to yes have to take this consideration. So it's close calls. I mean, it really just comes down to, to weather because you're in such a dynamic environment with with patient care, 
and you're in such a dynamic environment that changes so rapidly, not just on the weather front, but on the patient condition as far as like, you may need to be there longer, you may need to be there shorter. I mean, you're sitting there asleep at three o'clock in the morning and a siren goes off and you've got to get up and go and go get the patient in an expeditious manner, but not to jeopardize the safety of the flight and making sure you do everything you need to do to get off the ground. Mm. But at the same time, somebody's in a hospital or somebody's in a wrecked car and they need you. Right. Now, not five minutes from now, but now. Yeah. And you have to separate yourself you know, from like, it's a, I, I think of it as a piece of cargo. That sounds horrible, but it's the only way you can separate yourself from the job. Right. You know, in the beginning, I was like, oh, like. It's precious you know, cargo, um, but it's still that. It's cargo. Yeah. Not even that. It's, 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 this, it's this water glass to me because I wouldn't be able to focus on my job if I, if I thought of it. At yeah, it, you kind of have to break that mindset. Yeah. Because otherwise you're flying. You worry about that. You're not going to fly as well. Yeah. And your job like, is to fly. Yeah. Yeah. And you just, you have to, you don't, you just, you absolutely have to. And it took, it took me a six months to a year to actually to condition myself to do that. Cause I have so much respect for doctors that have to go in and tell families that like, Hey, they didn't make it or surgery didn't go well, or this is not going to turn out well. Like, I don't know how they do it. Cause I don't have to deal with families. Right. You know what I mean, generally speaking, I don't have to deal with that. I have so much respect for doctors. I don't know how they do it. I couldn't right. imagine. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, and, and I didn't even think about that, even though obviously you're a pilot and I should have thought of that, but the weather, especially in Maryland, I mean, let's be honest, that's, that is truly, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm from there and it, and, and anytime other than even in the summer, you have the occasional rain, but you guys aren't blessed with the greatest weather like we are here, you know? Nah, it's so dynamic, man, especially with the Chesapeake Bay, man, it does some weird stuff. It, the Chesapeake Bay does as much wonky, weird shit to the weather as the Great Lakes and as the Rocky Mountains. I mean, yeah. it is own weather pattern. <laughs> and is that what you're flying over a lot of times? That's kind of where you're at? Oh yeah, and the Eastern Shore and the Western Shore can have completely different patterns and oh, they're yeah. separated by a couple miles. Well, I know, it's crazy, right? I mean, it's just that, that four point mile bridge or whatever, the, yeah, it's nuts, it's, it's, it's unreal. Shallow. Yeah, the water water's shallow, it's got an ocean on one end, it got, you know, blue <laughs> it's crazy, man, it's crazy. It is unreal. Well, yeah. I, I know you've got to head out and I just, I want to say thank you so much. I mean, obviously we want to keep following you guys uh, on your, the Bourbon Alliance and the underscore whiskey underscore thief. Um, Freddie, it's been great to talk to you. I'll continue to chat with you. And I just want to thank you so much for your time. And is there anything you want to get out there other than what we already missed? I mean, as far as any, um, you know, follows or likes or anything like that? No, I mean, that, that's really about it, Kim. Thank you so much for having me on your show, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being so gracious about me running late. I wasn't trying to be disrespectful with your time or anything. It was just a call I had a field tonight. Um, so thank you so much for being gracious about that. And like I said, I mean, really the big follows too, and I, I will promote the Bourbon Alliance over myself a thousand percent all the time because there's so much more coming out of the Alliance than just me. Right. I mean, I've got whiskey and I've got some, some allocated crap, but at the end of the day, the Alliance, the, the, the whole reason for that is just to really spotlight people that are doing really incredible stuff in the whiskey community. Right. And it's such a good outlet for people that otherwise would not have an outlet to be able to get their products on the market for people to be able to spotlight it nice. and be able to say, Hey, like, you know, case in point, prohibition, we tried it. It was fantastic. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's other things like three chord, three chord. Oh my God, that was some amazing whiskey. But like, there's so much to discover outside of this is like me being the biggest hypocrite, Michter's and High West and Elijah Craig. I just picked three juggernauts. Right. You know what I mean? I could sip it on some, some, you know, few or, you know, or other things like that. Or, or you know, so there's so many different good whiskeys. But really, I would, like I said, the Alliance Share is a website, AllianceShare.com. Check out the Bourbon Alliance on Instagram. 
uh, on our YouTube site as well, the Bourbon Alliance. And we, we have new videos every week, sometimes twice a week. And that is really the best source to find out. If you want to get really in tune with whiskey, that's it. Because you have nine different people sharing nine different tasting notes. And we're so blatantly honest. We will not just promote something because we think we like it. And if you want me to be, you know, lift up the skirt for a second, there's whiskey that we've tried that we all hated and we won't even promote it. Because a lot of people are like, oh, you guys just get this whiskey and you promote it and you got to say nice things about it. That is not true. There are things that we get that we do not like that we do not promote. Right. But there's so much negative shit in the world. We're not going to sit there and blast somebody because just because we don't like it doesn't mean somebody doesn't else. Doesn't mean, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. We tried it in the group and it was like, no, thank you. And we right. don't promote it. You know what I mean? So yeah, you see a lot of positivity because we're a positive group. You know, right, we don't want right. to sit there and promote things that we don't like. We're not there to promote things that we don't enjoy. But when we promote something, we really like it. And right. we think that a lot of people too. But that that's really the the, the main shout out that I want to have. Well, good, man. Well, thank you so much. And uh, you, I'll, I'll hit you behind the scenes and we can kind of see how we can get together and do some collab stuff here. But I just want to thank you. Be safe tonight. And uh, picking up your friend from Vegas. I, I just went out there about six weeks ago. And uh it's it's not that bad of a place, even though the pandemic's going on. You know they're keeping yeah. their shit together. So, mm -hmm. uh, all right, brother. Well, peace out. Thank you so much for joining, everyone. Like, thank you for having me, and have a wonderful night, bud. You too, Freddie. See ya. Bye. Yeah, bye. Hello, and thank you for joining Whiskey Wednesday Weekly. This is your host Ken Boone. Please feel free to scroll through the multiple interviews for this podcast. This podcast is dedicated to people's stories of success, triumph, failure, and overcoming all obstacles. It is also dedicated to having fun and drinking various types of whiskeys. This is not a whiskey critique show, so please feel free to sit back, listen to the interviews, and thank you so much for liking and subscribing.